Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. This morning we have a gentleman with us who has a passion for flying. His name is Zach Elliott. Welcome, Zach. Hey, Dave. Thanks a lot. You started flying when you were 13, and you were flying gliders, as I recall reading about you. I, the first flight that I ever did was in a, in a glider aircraft. Um, so they tow you up in an airplane without, a, without an engine, and then you uh, release and you kind of fly around for as long as you can stay up. <laughs> and then you come down. Yep. Safely. Exactly. <laughs> You've gone from flying gliders to uh, running your own business over the course of 10 years, correct? Yep. Roughly. So uh, what we're going to do is talk about the early years. We have some songs we're going to play during the course of the program. We're going to talk about the business and we're going to talk about the big stumbling block that happened to you when you were 18 that sort of put a bit of a kibosh on certain aspects of what you wanted to do with flying, but you've changed uh, directions a little bit, but now you have a, your own business. So let's go back to talking about flying initially. What was it that prompted you to get into flying in the first place? Uh, well, my grandfather was, uh, was an aviation engineer, and uh, part of his job, he had, they had a program at uh, Canada Air that um, taught the, their employees how to become glider pilots. So he owned an aircraft uh, through with a couple of buddies um, at Hawkesbury Airport, and he took me out there one day, one day um, and bought me a discovery flight, so a flight where you go up with a guy and he uh, kind of gives you the controls of the airplane, shows you the basics. Um, so I did that, and uh, after he gave me control and I was flying around for 10, 20 minutes, I was pretty much hooked. Now... I've never uh, been in a glider, so I have no sense as to what that's, li that's like, but uh, as you described it earlier, it's basically you uh, take off being towed by another plane and you get up to a certain height and then the other plane releases you or you release yourself and you're flying up there or gliding without an engine. Give me a sense of the sensation of doing that. Uh, it's about as close as you could get to being uh, pretty much a bird. So as soon as you release the hook from the uh, tow airplane, um, you're flying around and you can stay up there all day just by circling around in the, in the thermals, the hot air rising off pavement and uh, other surfaces, uh, just like you see kind of hawks circling around without, you know, flapping their wings. Uh, it's really quiet, it's really uh, enjoyable and it's, uh, it's really uh, basics of flying, like the right down to the uh, Wright Brothers kind of thing. When you are up there in a glider, and I guess it would depend upon those thermals, like how long would you be able to stay up before you'd have to come down? Uh, well, it depends on the day, but uh, depending on the skill of the pilot, they can stay up there pretty much all day just by oh, circling really? around in, okay. in updrafts. Yeah. So you got your license to fly gliders, and then you moved on to planes with engines. Uh, no, I didn't actually get my glider license. I okay. just did the flight that got me started um, and got me interested. After that, I went to uh, a, the flight schools here in Kingston um, and got my recreational license. So just I started right on the single-engine Cessna aircraft. Now, how old do you have to be to be able to get a license to fly a plane? Uh, to actually get your full license, you have to be at least 16 for a recreational so you can take passengers. Um, however, you can be 14 years old and you can be flying solo. Uh, you have an instructor on the ground 
that has told you what you're going to go and do with that flight. Uh, so you're kind of supervised. They're not in the aircraft with you, but uh, you're still flying around by yourself. But you can do that at 14. So that'd be a lot of fun. Yep, that was uh, a little stressful for my parents, I think, but <laughs> it was fun for me. Now, the plan was for you to become a commercial pilot. That was the uh, eventual goal, correct? Yep, so that was the, uh, the dream. I was going to probably either become a commercial pilot and go up north, do some bush flying, and kind of build some hours towards uh, making it maybe into the airlines. Now, do you have to have, I think that's a measure of uh, experience in a plane is how many hours you've been in a plane. That's how they measure your experience level, correct? Yep, for sure. Um, most airlines, or even small charter airlines, won't, won't uh, take you in until you have about 2,000 hours of flight time. So, How long would you need to accumulate that number of hours? Uh, it would take you probably uh, about five years. Uh, it depends on... on what job you're doing or how much flying you're doing. I mean, you, there's lots of options to build your uh, hours, like flying up north. If you're going every day for six hours, it, it doesn't take very long, but if you're doing something like flight instruction, you might only be doing one or two hours, you know, every other, other day or so mm -hmm. of, uh, mm -hmm. of flying. So it, it kind of depends. Now, when you were 18, uh, you were in a car accident. Yep. It tells I, me uh, that. Well, I uh, crashed my car. It was my own fault, but... Um, I ended up breaking my uh, T11 uh, spinal, and I got a complete spinal cord injury. So I'm paralyzed from the belly button down, and uh, kind of threw a wrench in my, my hopes and dreams there for the commercial pilot uh, situation. But I did some research, and with a lot of help from family and friends, I found some information on uh, a flight school out in uh, Vancouver that had an airplane adapted with hand controls for the rudder pedals. And so I gather that's not very common, is the ability to, to learn to fly a plane with hand controls? Not really. There's only a few schools around North America that do that. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it took a little while to find. I had a, a few friends, like I met a bunch of guys in wheelchairs that kind of helped me through recovering. Uh, one of them was a previously a pilot, and he he flew as well his uh, Cherokee with uh, hand controls. So tell us about the school out in BC that you uh, went to. Uh, so it was a uh, your typical ultralight um, school. It was out in a small grass strip. It was really short. Um, and Ben Goodridge was the uh, paraplegic out there that had his plane adapted with hand controls. So it's the exact same plane. I came home and bought the exact same plane that he had, uh, the Icarus C42. Um, and it's, it's already certified from the manufacturer with a rudder hand control. Um, so instead of using my feet, I just use a, uh, a push and, and pull kind of stick. How difficult was it to adapt from flying the way you were flying before the accident to flying with just hand controls? Uh, the first couple hours of flying, it was, t it's been a, it was about a year and a half that it took me to to uh, get everything organized to go out there. So it's, it would took a long uh, time. So between the not flying for a year and a half and then learning on the hand controls and then the added challenge of landing on an 800 foot grass strip rather than uh, we have 5,000 feet of runway here at Kingston. Uh, it took me about five hours before they, they let me go solo out there. Yeah, I never thought about the business of a shorter uh, runway that you have to work with at a private school like that one. So that is much more difficult to land on such a shorter uh, Yeah, it, it took a little bit more uh, more skill than, um, than it would 
here at Kingston, for sure. So you come home from the school and you're all fired up about uh, getting your own plane. Yep. So I read somewhere that you went to Florida to get the plane? I, uh, yeah, I drove down to Florida and I picked up the aircraft uh, in Lakeland, Florida and flew it home with the uh, dealership guy that was, uh, was there as well. He helped me out loading my chair in and out of the, um, the uh, baggage compartment. And uh, it took 12 hours total to get home from Florida. How many times would you have to land and I think we stopped uh, three times, or four times. We, we would have got away with three, but we had to stop in Watertown for customs. Okay. All right. We're speaking with Zach Elliott, who, is, uh, who has a passion for flying. And right now we are talking about him bringing his newly purchased plane back from Florida to Canada. How big a deal is it for you to, to buy a plane in the States and bring it back to Canada? Uh, well, it was a lot harder than I was expecting it to be. It's, there's a lot of paperwork to do. It took me about uh, probably six months to get everything organized and uh, you know get the aircraft, the uh, taxes paid and everything through customs to uh, bring it over. Um, what was but the it was a lot of fun, that's for sure. I've never flown that far in my life. It's all the way from Florida to Kingston is the longest the flight I've ever done. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, you get to see the entire landscape of, of the... Um, of the U.S. Yeah, Eastern the US. Seaboard. Yeah. Exactly. It was great. There's no better way to see it. <laughs> How long would it, the flight take if you were flying directly? It's about three hours without landing and taking off again? Um, well, it would probably be, I'd say, 10 to 11 hours. We didn't spend a whole lot of time on the ground. We just okay. got gas and jumped in and went right away again. Yeah, an, an ultralight is not going to fly as fast as a commercial airplane. Let, yeah. Let's talk about that. I was going to ask you before we leave the business of buying the plane, what was the exchange rate like when you bought the plane? <laughs> Back was then, it, in, <clears throat> it was before it got really bad, so it was about 80 cents or 90 cents, I think. Um, so it wasn't as bad as it is now? No. It was, from our perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, uh, I think when, when people hear you talk about ultralights, they are thinking about those open um, vehicles that are flying the air that look like uh, hot rods and people being and the motor being uh, a lawnmower engine uh, sort of thing. I think that's a mental image a lot of people would have of an ultralight. Can you expand upon what an ultralight looks like these days? Yeah, that's the, the basic the stigma behind ultralight. The word ultralight is that kite with the lawnmower engine kind of style. Um, today though with the advances in um, technology we have uh, you know, carbon materials and th materials are getting much lighter, designs are getting better. Uh, our aircraft is exactly like uh, your typical Cessna aircraft. So it's two seats, uh, it flies just as fast as you would fly in any plane that you would pretty much fly with a private license or a certified aircraft, we would say. Um, it's a lot nicer because it, uh, it burns a lot less fuel than the old 1970 okay. uh, Cessnas. It also uh, takes a lot less maintenance because it's not, you know, 40 years old. <laughs> um, now, the legal definition that separates the two kinds of aircraft, it's a weight and speed thing, right? Yeah, so the aircraft has to be under 1,200 pounds, uh, fully loaded with fuel and passengers, and it has to stall at a speed uh, less than 39 uh, knots. So, yeah. So, if you have a passion for a hobby like flying, and we were talking about this before we started recording this morning, 
the business of uh, being uh, passionate about a particular hobby and wanting to have the tools to enjoy that hobby without having to rent it all the time. So that's one of the advantages to getting your own plane is that you don't have to rent someone else's to get up there and fly. You have your own. Yeah, exactly. The, the whole basis of why I started the company in the first place was I, I pretty much just wanted to own an airplane um, and have it kind of pay for itself. And then as things progressed, I kind of started making it more of a, a career thing, um, looking to make uh, some profits in the business as well. So let's talk about the business. So you come back from Florida and you have a plane that you've just purchased and you uh, wanted to start to share that passion with other people. Oh, exactly. So you, you rent out the plane and you also give lessons. Let's talk about that. Yep, uh, our main business is, uh, is flight training. So we get people their ultralight permit where when they're done that, they can fly you know any ultralight, whether it's a basic, your typical kite with a lawnmower engine mm -hmm. or an advanced ultralight like ours. Uh, fully enclosed with heat, you can fly it in the wintertime. Um, we also provide advanced training, for, so if you want to take passengers, we do passenger ratings. We also do uh, flight instructor ratings if people want to get their instructor rating. Um, the other side of the business is we kind of do discovery flights for people that have never really been flying before or want to try something new uh, and adventurous. We take them up for a discovery flight, let them try their hand on the controls just like back when I was 13 and uh, the guy let me fly. It's kind of an incentive to get people uh, up in the air, see the new new ultralight kind of world, um, and see if it's something that they might want to do, mm -hmm. as well as almost a, a sightseeing or a fun fun flight. Right. Uh, we also rent the aircraft out, which not a whole lot of ultralight schools um, around Canada rent out their ultralight once training is finished, so it's it allows for uh, people also, they don't have to invest a ton of money in, in buying a new aircraft, they can just uh, rent tires whenever they like to go. So I would gather that when you came back you had to uh, get your instructor's license to be able to teach people, correct? There's more education involved? Yeah, um, when I went out west, uh, that's what I that's what I was doing out there. Actually, I I wasn't just learning how to fly with hang controls. I was I was getting my instructor rating for the ultralight license. Okay, what's been the response like to uh, opening up the school? Because it's been open for what two years? Uh, two years operating now. Okay, yeah. so it's been really good actually. It's um, we got about twenty to thirty students right now, somewhere in there, and uh, lots of guys that have finished their training and are renting our aircraft. Um, when I first kind of sat down and did the business plan, I was expecting to do about 200 hours of, of flight time in the first year, um, and we ended up doing about 400 hours actually. So we're we're well ahead of our our targets um, for the flight school. We're actually expanding into a, a newer, larger office right now, um, and uh, we're also starting to uh, build ultralight airplanes, basic ultralights. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So are you doing this all by yourself or do you have a staff or how does that work? No, uh, I have a, another instructor that works with me that's been kind of my right hand man for the past year and a half or so, uh, Paul Mollis. Um, he's been fantastic in helping me, um, you know, uh, maintain the airplane, uh, instruct people. Uh, <clears throat> and then he's also uh, really creative with all of his ideas, so building this ultralight airplane and no, that, that's kind of his idea. So are you looking to build a plane that looks similar to the one you've got, or is it uh, No, the one we are building is actually your, your typical... Uh, open air. Open air concept okay. one, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and how many people do you think will be getting up in that one? 
well, we're not planning on doing any flight training on the on the basic ultralight. We right. do all our flight training just on the uh, the Cadillac. I call it the, the Icarus. <laughs> is that something that uh, would only be one passenger? The one you're building? Uh, the one like we're building is, is right now. The one we're building is a single seater. Okay. Um, we are planning on building a second one that is two seats, though. Now you're talking about expanding here. Your uh, current uh, office is at the Kingston Airport and you are looking to expand inside the grounds of the Kingston Airport to a bigger facility, correct? Yep, we're moving uh, pretty much just down the road uh, to Hangar 4, you know, which is a much larger uh, office, reception area, classroom, and then there's a full shop as well that we can build our, our airplanes. So it's the space that you need. Right now, we're sitting in your office, which doubles as the instruction room, <laughs> correct? <laughs> okay. So you're looking to expand, have more space. So what does the future look like for you and the business? Where are you taking this? Uh, well, ideally, in the next uh, couple of years, I'd like to get a second Icarus airplane um, and then have it on floats in the summertime and skis in the wintertime to do uh, float training and ski training. Uh, also, have to also have a second aircraft available. When people are renting the airplane, we can still be doing flight instruction. Um, and then maybe, I don't know how it's all going to go. It seems to be going pretty good now, but uh, in the future, uh, maybe a couple satellite offices, a location near Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, and see where it goes from there. Building the business and just expanding. Yeah. But controlling how quickly you <laughs> expand, so yep. you do it properly. Okay, tell us about the open house that's coming up. Uh, this show is going to be airing on the 23rd of October, which is a Monday morning, and then you are, the following Saturday you are doing an open house, correct? Yep. So we're going to do an open house at our new uh, location. It's at 1060 Len Birchall Way, just... Uh, when you pull into the airport, it's straight ahead. Uh, we're going to be doing a barbecue, so we'll have some hot dogs and hamburgers going. And uh, lots of discounts, so 25% off our ground school classes. And pretty much just an open house to show people our, our new larger office, or check out our airplane if they want to. Uh, there's also going to be free flights. Um, the timing for the open house is from when to when? Uh, it's going to be from 10 to 5. Okay. Uh, we're going to be doing the barbecue from 12 to 3 or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, but anybody's welcome to stop in in between the t 10 and 5. And if they want more information about the open house or about the business in general, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, well, you can either uh, go on our website, advancedultralights.com, or uh, any of our social media. We're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, at, at OAUFly. Um, on the website, you can find uh, my personal contact information if you'd like to uh, email or give me a call. Okay. Zach, I want to thank you very much for your time and for the conversation this morning. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Tim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.